Great. Do please take a seat. It is fantastic. Look around. There are people in church. Come on. And you've come in the evenings, and there have been times when you've just been able to sit next to one other person. Look around. Some of you are saying fives. Come on. It's going to be a really, really good year. We're not out of COVID yet. You are still wearing masks. You've been issued, and as a preacher, I'm a bit worried about this. You've been issued with red cards. So if it's not going well, you know what to do. Thank you. Um, and uh, so um, we come in, and we're not, through, we're not through COVID. Tom bangs on about Norwegian friends that he's got. Well, my finish, no. Um, Two-year process. We're going to be in this for a little while. And we will, uh, as we go through uh, this part of the COVID season, there will be times when we shift things, when we review things, where we change things. Sometimes we'll tell you. Other times we'll just let you guess as you wander in. But we are in a place now where, uh, where we're here. We're gathering. We have rows. You've got a little bit more leg room. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I know it's going to be a great year because we have a new women's singles tennis champion in Emma Radakuna. Come on, which is pretty awesome, which is pretty awesome. Also yesterday, the Blades won 6-2 yesterday. It's good. That is actually my daughter, so uh, it's all right. I'm here to embarrass you, not the other way around, darling. Um, well, we see where we get to. Uh, so that was, a, that was a tennis score as well in 6-2, and then it was 6-4, 6-3. So by the end of the evening, we were really celebrating. And to top it all off, we took delivery of two little kittens yesterday. So anytime there is a little bit of stress as we're getting every, on top of everything here at church and, you know, the tech stuff's not quite working, I just get a little picture out of the kittens. And the, oh, it's come. And everybody just relaxes, and it's really cool. And if that doesn't work, there's always Jesus. Um, so, thank you for recognizing that that was a joke. So, we are, as Abby and Liam have just uh, said in their introduction, that we are now at the start of this welcome home season for the church. Welcome home, students. Welcome home if you've been meeting with us online. Welcome home if you've never been here before. A welcome home because you are welcome. And uh, we pray that you will meet God in this place. And as much as we extend a welcome to you, we pray that you would be met by the risen Jesus Christ through his spirit. And you would feel that warmth and that love and that embrace uh, that is so transforming of each of our lives. So we're going to start on our new series, and we're going to be looking at the theme of exiles and ambassadors, both in the morning and in the evening. Now, in the morning, we're going to be looking particularly... Uh, through the book of Nehemiah, and it's a book in the Old Testament, and it is that point where the Israelites who came into the Promised Land uh, have drifted far from God, and they have ended up in exile in a foreign land. And the book of Nehemiah is 70 years after they've been into uh, exile, and it's when they begin to start dribbling back. And then in the evening, we're going to look at the book of Acts, and particularly at the uh, character of Paul, a great church planter, a great figure of the New Testament. So after Jesus has died, what happens with the early church as this message of, a, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a new way of life under a new king, as that begins to spread around the Roman Empire. So that's where we're going. 
and uh, it is my privilege to be kicking that off this evening. Now, I want to start just by asking you uh, a little question, just to mull and ponder where you are. What is the most sort of time when you have felt most out of place, most lost, not physically lost, um, but most out of place, when you've kind of ended up in a situation where you look around and you don't really recognize anything or anyone, and everything just kind of feels really unfamiliar. Maybe you've moved schools and you've been the new boy or the new girl, and you don't know where anything is, and you don't know anybody, and you just feel out of place. Maybe it's starting at university. I don't know, what is it? What is that for you? There are a number that I could have chosen of awkward moments in my life. Uh, there have been a few, but I think the one that stands out, I went on a, uh, a German foreign exchange when I was uh, 15. And uh, I'd been the year before, got on really well with the German family that I was uh, living with. Uh, both had a love of sport. Both drank a little bit too much, had a great time, learnt no German, but it was fantastic. And then the following year, it was that awkward time in, the German, in a German person's life where as a cultural Christianity, everybody gets confirmed. And so the pen friend that I'd had, had uh, gone, I'm getting confirmed and I've got this really awkward big party where all my family will come and that's going to go on for quite a while. So I'm going to have to turn you down and, uh, and you're not going to come this time. I wasn't a Christian, confirmation. What's that? I'm a Baptist confirmation. What is that? Anyway, thank you. Um, anyway, so I signed up and I got assigned a new pen friend and I landed and the first thing that he said to me was, oh, by the way, it's my confirmation weekend. <laughs> so I was separated from the rest of my school and I was placed in a car with a guy that I hardly knew he was a lot less cool than the guy that I'd been with before. I was driven three hours across Germany to meet his family, who spoke no English. And I just thought, what has gone on here? Where am I? What's happening? It was a horrendous experience, and it didn't get any better for the following two weeks that I was there. But I wonder, what's that experience for you, a feeling just out of place? Because we're going to be looking at, exile, uh, at exiles and ambassadors. And to be in exile is to leave your home place, the place that is comfortable and familiar, where you know which way is up, which way is down, where you speak the language, where you understand the inside language. And to go somewhere that is foreign, that is alien, that is unfamiliar, away from everything that you know to be true. That's the situation that the Israelites found themselves in. And uh, that's the situation that many people from Hong Kong at the moment will find themselves in. You may know, you may not know, but as a church, we've signed up to be a Hong Kong-ready church. That doesn't mean to say that you are all going to Hong Kong. What it means is that there are rumored to be somewhere around 300,000 people from Hong Kong that are going to migrate from Hong Kong, believe it or not, to the UK. They've already started to arrive. We've already met um, some folk that are making that journey. And that's from changing political uh, situations and an openness of the UK government to receive people from Hong Kong. 
There have been waves before. You may remember in the news the Windrush generation from the West Indies. But there have been waves before also from people from Hong Kong. And when they've arrived, what has happened is that they've tried to get jobs within the local communities, and they've struggled. And what's happened is that they have, in large proportions, ended up, whether they've been trained as doctors or teachers, whatever their profession, they've ended up drifting towards the takeaway industry, working antisocial hours and staying enclosed in their little ghettoized areas of, uh, of Hong Kong, staying with people who are like them. You see, when you are in that place, there is often one of two ways that you might respond. One, like many people that have arrived from Hong Kong, is to, uh, is to withdraw from the culture that you find yourself in. Stay with people who are like you. Stay safe. The other is to minimize the difference between you and those around you, and you just embrace that host culture as best you can and try and fit in. And I've met both as we've done work with internationals, but that sense of withdrawing from the culture or assimilating into it and just becoming like those. So in the morning, we're going to look at Nehemiah. We're going to look at uh, living well as exiles, what it means to be an ambassador. And theologically... That sense of exile is the place where you and I as Christians find ourselves in 21st century Britain. You may know some of the stories of the Bible. You may remember the story of uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. That perfect creation where humanity was created and they walked in the garden with God close to close, intimate within his embrace, within the realm which he had marked out for them, the Garden of Eden. And you'll also know that the story goes on. And through uh, Adam and Eve's rebellion, turning away from God, doing their own thing, they were thrust out from the garden, and they became estranged from God. Our rightful home as human beings, everyone on the planet, is to live in that intimate relationship with God. We are all in an alien and strange environment, whether we are living in the UK, whether we're living in the wilds of Scotland, or even Wales. We're all estranged from our Father. And that pull that we find that often has drawn you and I together is that sense of wanting, needing, desiring to return home to our Father. A beautiful story. I didn't know Abby was going to share the prodigal son. But that sense of being in a foreign place, realizing that life is not all it could be, and returning to the place where we've come from, that place of home with God. So if that's what we're looking at in the morning, uh, then, uh, and if that's something about exiles, then what about ambassadors? What does it mean to be an ambassador? Well, an ambassador serves a government, serves a king even in the Bible, serves our government, and they're sent overseas into those foreign situations to represent the interests of the UK. So an ambassador goes out, all cultured up with, uh, with being British, and uh, lands in a foreign place, and speaking in their plummy English, they will uh, create for themselves a little space of home, 
Tom told the story this morning of being over in Russia, in Moscow, and him being in a very strange and alien environment and uh, having the real privilege of uh, staying at the embassy where ambassadors hang out from time to time. In the, and as he wandered in from this really strange environment, he wandered in and he saw a picture of the queen. And as he said this morning, he saw three pin sockets and he knew that he was home. Something about uh, being an ambassador, not just being an exile and coping within the environment, but actually being an ambassador, being there to represent the interests of the government, of those in power that have sent you to look after their interests in that foreign place. And the ambassador par excellence is Jesus himself, who left heaven with his heavenly father, and he came as an ambassador to earth in order to represent the kingdom of God, the will and the way and the rule and the reign of his Father in heaven. And as an ambassador, representing the interests of heaven, of love and joy and peace and justice, he came to demonstrate to the world a different way to live. But not only did he do that when he came to earth, he also drew around him other people. He drew around him the disciples, the 12, the 72, the crowds that gathered around him because there was something beautiful about him. There was something different about the way that he did religion. There was something beautiful about the God and the message that he proclaimed. So he drew around him these 12, he drew around him these 72, he drew around him the crowds, and he taught the kingdom of God a different way to live, a different culture that clashed and jarred with the Roman Empire, that jarred with the religious folk from his own nation that he was born into. You see, the kingdom of God and the culture of this world, whether Welsh, Scottish, English, Hong Kong, they are different things. So he came and he taught his followers. They lived a different way. He broke off some of the bonds from, from their way of living and he taught them how to live this kingdom way, to bring life wherever they went. He spent three years training them, raising them up as ambassadors and then sent them out as he left, went back to heaven, empowered them with the Spirit they were sent out as ambassadors into the world. And so what we're going to see as we uh, go through the evening gatherings is we're going to look at one of those people that were sent out, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, whatever one would want to call him, a great uh, embassy planter, outposts of heaven that he went around the known world, uh, drawing people together, training them in, and teaching them this in, in this new way. And we're going to learn something of what it means to be an ambassador. And so we're going to follow him on his assignment, three missionary journeys, and see what he gets up to. And for you and I, as I've already mentioned, we are all exiles. But we're all called as ambassadors. The difference is that an ambassador is an exile with a purpose. Because he's called you, yes, to free you, to bless you, to make your life all that it could be. 
but as ambassadors, we are also given an assignment to extend his kingdom, to serve the interests of our King Jesus. So, we're going to read from the Bible. We thought we'd get to that this evening. It's from Acts 13, and it's from verse 1 to verse 12, and I'm going to pull out a few things from that, and then we'll all go home and sleep off those custard tarts that you've had before you've come in. So Acts 13, I think it's on the screen. There it is, and uh, I'm going to read it here. So now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul is called Paul, who is called Saul. So Saul is Paul. It'll all become clear. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false Jesus called Bar Jesus, false prophet called Bar Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. If that's not a Russian, uh, a Roman name, I don't know what it is. Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, also called Bar-Jesus, it's all a little confusing, Uh, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, you are a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now, the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time not even able to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you very much. So Saul, who is called Paul, has, uh, he began his life persecuting the church. He received letters from the people in Jerusalem, the religious leaders, and he went from town to town arresting followers of Jesus. And then he met on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus powerfully. He himself was blinded. And through that experience, he became a follower of Jesus, a follower of the way. He disappears for a little while, and then he pops up again in Tarsus, his home town. And there he's teaching and he's training people that have been converted to the way. Now, elsewhere, with the disciples who have gone off as ambassadors and have begun to plant these new communities, down in Antioch, it all kicks off. People are coming to faith. Miracles are happening. It's all happening. And Barnabas, who knows uh, Paul from, uh, from previous connection, goes, you know what? We need some good 
teachers of the word. So he himself goes down to Tarsus. He says, hey, Saul or Paul, whatever you're called, we need you in Antioch. Come with me. And so Paul and Barnabas, they return to Antioch. And for a year, they spend teaching and training people in this new kingdom way of life. And then we meet them in this story where with the leaders, with the prophets and the teachers in Antioch, they're praying and they're fasting and they're praying and they're fasting. And the Holy Spirit makes it clear that he has a new assignment for Ambassador Paul and Ambassador Barnabas. And through that moment, they pray some more, they worship some more, praise the Lord. They're set apart, they lay hands on them and they commission them to go out to plant these new communities around the Roman Empire. And I don't know about you. I don't know whether you sat here, 21st century Britain, an exile, a citizen of heaven, and yet sat here in Sheffield. I don't know whether you would know at this moment in your life the assignment that God has set you on, the call that he has placed on your life. For me, I came to faith many, many years ago, and uh, uh, I was at university. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I was at university. And so the place where I was sent as an ambassador was into my university, amongst my university friends, to represent the interests of Jesus, to love, to bless, to seek justice, to be a friend, to be there and support others, to speak of Jesus when I had opportunity, to pray when I had opportunity. Stuck around, uh, I did a PhD, um, and uh, I had the opportunity to bring a friend to church to talk about some of the stuff that was going on in our church and around the city. Moved on from there, I did work with internationals and uh, international students coming into to the city. And uh, we gathered a community, we had a great time, we had people come into faith, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Moving on, uh, came and became part of the church here, and I was involved with training and teaching the kids in, uh, in the church. Again, a lot of fun. A bit more scatty and run around a little bit more than international students, uh, but we had a lot of fun. I got involved with the training. My wife and I, we, uh, we felt a call, and we worked with uh, young families, and we saw a great community grow here. Different stages and different moments in our lives, wherever we've been. We recognize that we are a sent people. Who is God sending you to? And through lockdown, our focus has very much shifted to our street. We knew a few of our neighbors before lockdown came. They've not been able to escape us. So uh, we've done all that we can to just try and generate a sense of community and do what we can to bless others on our streets. It's been a lot, a lot of fun. You see, when we pray, as Paul and Barnabas and the leaders in Antioch, when we pray, God speaks. When we pray, God calls. When we pray, God gives us an assignment and sends us, not on our own, but with the power and the presence of Jesus to be his representatives here on earth. And for us, that call, that, uh, that word, that discernment has been, as we've opened the Bible, and there have been things that we've read in the Bible that have mirrored stuff that we've been going on in our lives, and we've thought, you know what, I think God's trying to get our attention. 
There was one instance where I actually woke my wife with scripture going, look, see, see. And she said, yeah, told you. So I've not done that again. Um, God speaks through his word to us today. Other times when I've been praying and believe it or not, I'm, I'm a reluctant Baptist minister and I was really deliberating as to whether or not I was going to do this thing. I'm not sure I want to do this, Lord. And then I looked up from where I was praying and I don't know whether you've seen these twee little figures that are holding little wire balloons with a little message in. It was just after Easter and there was an Easter card, a cross, and in front there was this little figure with a little balloon that said hope. Now, in my head, I misquoted, and it's for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. And through it, God said to me, you know what? That thing that you don't want to do, it's not for that that you're doing it, but it's the stuff that lies beyond. I want you to get on, and I want you to do it. And in each of those occasions, on all occasions, there's been leaders and there have been friends that have stood with us, prayed with us, confirmed what it is that God, we felt that God has been calling us too. What about you? Could you put words to the current assignment that God has placed before you? Maybe you can. Does your community, your cluster, your six, does it have a clear sense of the assignment that God is calling you to? Maybe you know what that is. Maybe you haven't got a foggiest. And if you do, or if you don't, maybe God is just beginning to unsettle you, to place things before you. Maybe even tonight as we pray and as we worship, and as we lift our hands again and respond to this message, maybe you will just have your eyes open, hear God's whisper saying, you know what? The street that you live on, your workplace, they need Jesus. Maybe it's your college Maybe it's your flats. Maybe you live in a really dysfunctional house. God sends you as his ambassador to be working out his promises and his priorities in the places where you are. What is that for you? I'm going to call the band up. We're going to respond. Uh, we're going to sing a little because uh, that's what we do. And it's not just singing for singing's sake. It is singing to encounter the presence of the Lord. It says that we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. And so we're going to praise him. And we're going to stand on that promise. And we're going to come before our Father. And we're going to see what it is that he has for us this night. And you may not have anything this evening. You may not have any great clarity or any great sort of flash bang. Oh, I felt the call of God. I heard him speak. But you might just get that sense of his presence, that stirring in your heart, that you were made for more than this. That you've received that welcome home. And you know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Because when we encounter him, when we step into the things of God, by God, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We will bless this city. We will see lives transformed. We will see hope where there is only despair. We'll see freedom where there's bondage. We'll see people fed that can't put food on the tables. And I want to be part of that. I don't know about you. So let's stand together, shall we? Let's stand together.